Hey, here's a good story. It was Rabbi Goldberg's first Shabbat in his new synagogue. And wouldn't you know it, right in the middle of his first Shabbat and leading the congregation, this hot debate erupts as to whether one should stand or one should not stand during the reading of the Ten Commandments. Well, the next day, Rabbi Goldberg, he visited 98-year-old Mr. Brown in the nursing home. And Mr. Brown, he said, I'm asking you as the oldest member of the community, what is our synagogue's custom during the reading of the Ten Commandments? And Mr. Brown says, well, why, why do you ask? He says, yesterday we read the Ten Commandments. Some people stood and some people sat. The ones standing started screaming at the ones who were sitting, telling them they needed to stand up. The ones who were sitting they started screaming at the one standing, telling them to sit down. And Mr. Brown says, ha, ah, that is our custom. <laughs> Shalom, Chavarim, and welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast, where we help Christians make sense of their roots so they can help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. What do you have to say about that? That is something that is very much needed. <laughs> I saw you take a bite of your snack. You just <laughs> We're going live and he's biting into a granola bar. It's fantastic. Well, my name is... <laughs> no, he's joking. My name is Matt and I'm here with my dad, Ron, and this is typically how it goes. You want to say hello? Have right. you stopped choking over there? Hello, hello over there. All right, very good. Uh, we're here to give a unique perspective on the story of God and his people, and we happen to be his people, and we, uh, we love talking about all of this. Uh, we, we look at the story of God as a two-act play. In fact, every Jew in the world, they bought tickets to this two-act play, and they went to the first act and said, enough already, and they went home at intermission. And all of the Gentiles, the Christians, bought tickets to the same two-act play. They totally missed the first act, and went in and saw the second act. And somewhere in the middle, both of them passed each other in the lobby and then never saw each other again. So what we're trying to do is tell the whole story to both sides. We kind of stand in the middle here in the gap, and our heart is to equip the church, uh, Christians, Gentiles, believers, followers of Jesus, to really know what happens in that first act. And there's so much in that second act in the New Testament that is hyperlinked. You read something, and if you have the... <laughs> do you hear that? Uh, there's something. We're in a barn right now, and boy, something I think there's over. a tornado coming. Yeah, maybe it was a stampede of horses. At least we're upstairs. But, uh, you know, we want to be able to give context to what is going on in the story. It's a full story, and we read half of it, and we think, oh, that's a great story. But if you only knew the whole story, it could be incredible. And so we're doing that. And, and no story tells it better than the story of Passover. And so we've been trying to get to this point that we're going to hit finally. I think we're going to finally get there today, uh, is, is this story of Passover, the institution of this Passover. It's a meal, but it's also the story that recounts Israel getting out of Egypt. So uh, let's pick it up. We are going to be in the book of Exodus. What chapter do you want to start in? Chapter 12. Yeah, Should that's a good spot. Chapter 12. That's yep. a good one. Yeah. Let's do that. That's where I'm at. All right. So uh, we've gone through nine plagues and we're about to hit the 10th one. And Pharaoh is just as obstinate and difficult as he's been the entire time. He uh, is not letting 
the children of Israel go. And so God has to bring upon Pharaoh and Egypt uh, one final plague, which he says to Moses, after this one, Pharaoh is going to let you go. Yeah, and so we really have, in the beginning of chapter 12, uh, this is the beginning. Uh, In verse 2, it says, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. And then tell all of the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Now, the month they're talking about is the month, it's the Hebrew month of Nisan. Nisan. Just like the car, but one S. Yeah. Or one shin, if you're looking, or sin in the the Hebrew there. Uh, But there's the beginning of something. And God is saying, I want you to pay attention, and we're going to get a lamb out. We're going to do something different, something that they haven't done before. And starting there on the 10th of Nisan, they, they set aside the lamb. And what are they doing with this lamb? Well, they're going to set aside a lamb on the 10th of Nisan, and they are going to observe it. They're going to watch it. Uh, in fact, he, he says uh, that when you set aside this lamb, uh, it shall be without blemish, a male, a year old, uh, without spot, without blemish, it has to be a perfect lamb because that's all you can sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, you'll watch it and you'll keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel will sacrifice their lambs at twilight. And so what they are doing is they're taking a lamb out of the flock and on the 10th and they're watching it on until the 14th and if that lamb is a perfect lamb without spot without blemish uh it will be sacrificed it will be killed on the 14th a span of four days uh in in doing this this is uh, something that's going to be significant that we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit uh, later one of the one of our next podcasts but uh Tuck that away in the back of your mind. And for us, uh, the whole the whole thing is, it, it just feels and sounds ridiculous. Um, but they have some context for this. This feels very much like sacrifice. But instead of going to the altar, and instead of, I mean, we don't even have the priestly system, but we have, you know, Noah makes a sacrifice, right? He gets off of the ark, and uh, he doesn't kiss the ground. He actually goes and he worships. He right. sets up an altar, and he kills an animal, and, and he presents that to the Lord. Um, so they have a sense of this this idea. There's a context for sacrifice so far in the story, but we're going to do something different with this. And all of this is an act of faith, right? So they kill this lamb on the 14th of the month of Nisan, and, and God asks them to do something different. They are to take the blood of the lamb, and they are to put it on the doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they are. And uh, this is an interesting thing, uh, a question that came up for me uh, many years ago uh, as I was reading this and as we were doing Passover with our family, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I know that the scripture says that a mixed multitude left Egypt. Uh, I'm sure that uh, there were probably a lot of Egyptians who had pretty much had it (laughs) by the time they lived through nine plagues and said, I don't think Pharaoh knows what he's doing. I think he's a little weak and senile and uh, he's just hungry for power and uh, we're not going to follow him anymore and went to Israelite homes. And if they were the firstborn and they were in an Israelite home with blood on the wall, does God look inside the home? This is the question and say, well, uh, I'm going to spare the Jews, but not any Egyptians. I don't think so. 
No, I think that they were saved. And yeah. you, you, you know, as, as much as Pharaoh hardened his heart, the, the people of Egypt, uh, they looked at this and they, I think their faith was being built all, all along as they're going through this journey. They're seeing their cattle die. They're seeing the blood in the Nile, which really is the source of life for them, is now the source of death, right? Mm -hmm. They see all of this stuff going on, and they're thinking, we might need to pay attention to whatever they're doing, we're going to do. And, and so uh, I, I think as God sends the angel of death through the Israelite camp in Egypt, and he slays the firstborn in every house uh, that does not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the lintel, he likewise goes through the camp, and everyone in that house where the blood is, is spared. And that's because he's not looking at who it is who's inside, but he's looking at the blood. Yeah, and so you have that through line of the blood. The blood that atones, the blood that atonement literally means covers. And as the angel of death uh, goes through the camp uh, that night, um, there is crying and there's screaming. Um, going throughout uh, the land of Egypt there. It says in verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That was the beginning. That... Uh from that point on, uh, Moses said, this day is to be for you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever. As a statute forever. And uh, as we celebrate the Passover, that's why there are so many different elements on the Passover, on the Seder plate, recounting the difficulty and the hardness of life that our people experienced in Egypt, the tears that were shed, the hard work, the labor. We remember all of those things of what life was in Egypt and ultimately our deliverance out of Egypt. And so uh, as, as we look forward, we're remembering that all the time. But there was a point in time when we were told that we were to remember something else rather than just the history of coming out of Egypt. Yeah, and so this story is pointing to a greater story. Uh, everything that is here is a shadow of what is to come. Now, Moses, he gets the elders all together and everybody takes the lambs and they kill the Passover lamb. Um, and there's all of these different pieces, these elements. Uh, in verse 22, it says, Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. And so he passes through. Observe this as a statute for you and your sons forever. And then it says, once again, well, I think we hit this before, but when your children say to you in verse 26, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. Yeah. And, and, and once again, you know, it's the idea of remembering, and it's an annual commemoration amongst the Jewish people to remember Passover, and not only that, the parents were obligated to teach their children what its meaning was, and uh, it, it just became customary for the youngest child in the Jewish family to 
get his father's attention and ask for some formal explanation of what was happening in connection with everything that they were doing at the table. So we do this today, uh, even still today, and we invite uh, church communities into this and we walk through these different elements and you see how all of these elements, everything points back to this meal. Uh, and all of this uh, goes about and, and takes place and you see in verse 29 at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh. Nobody escapes who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. I mean, God keeps track of a lot there, right? Yeah. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. And he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you've said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. Kind of reminds me of what we talked about last time of Simon the Magician, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have, we have this story that takes place and here's where maybe we, we take it from here is... God is bringing his people out. God is sending his deliverer, has sent his deliverer, Moses, and, and now they're getting out. Uh, for God, this is not difficult. Uh, this is not a, a hard piece. Um, and you're going to see as, as the Israelites come out of Egypt and they make their way into the wilderness, uh, if they were Lot's wife, they would have all turned to salt because they kept turning back. They kept looking back at Egypt and they kept wanting to say, uh, if only we were back in Egypt. They, they wanted to go back to that life of slavery because they were in a new territory. They're, they're learning to uh, get to know a new master. And that master was God, who's inviting them not into a life of slavery, but a life of freedom. They didn't have to toil for their work. They were provided for every single morning. All right, I see you, you stirring over there, and uh, you stopped listening to me about a minute ago, and you're, you're thinking about something else. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about something else. I, I was stuck on that uh, part where uh, Pharaoh says, bless me also. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you look at that, and uh, this final request that Pharaoh is making here to Moses, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think uh, his heart was certainly not repentant. And if you look further in the book to, to chapter 14, we find out that, uh, you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh was defiant. And uh, while he just temporarily conceded defeat uh, and acknowledged Moses and his God as the ones who were victorious in the situation here is those who had the power to defeat him also had the power to bless him, but he wasn't really repentant and he, uh, he wanted the blessings uh, and not the consequences, but he didn't come to uh, real faith in God of Israel. Yeah. And uh, so that's where I was wandering off to. All right. Well, welcome back. Yeah. Thanks for, for joining us here at the Jewish Road <laughs> podcast. Um, to finish this out and, and to kind of lead where we're going uh, next, um, they, they get out 
the people that are taking their dough before it was leavened, before it had time to rise, their kneading bowls, they have their cloaks, everybody's getting ready to go out. Uh, and they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and the Lord gave uh, the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and so they left them what they had asked for, and they plundered the Egyptians in that way. And the people of Israel, they journeyed out 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. So estimates are between, you know, one and two million, you know, I, I think it's probably closer to two million. Yeah. Um, but it says a mixed multitude also went up with them. And very much livestock and flocks and herds, and they had unleavened cakes of dough that they had brought out of Egypt. It was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait. And it says, and this is to wrap up this section in Act 1, uh, that the time the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, on that very day, all of the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was by night. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Yeah. So God leads them out. We have a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And that, that even leads them out. And we, we see the cloud is always, we're watching the cloud as we go through there. All of this is leading to, uh, and that's really kind of the close of this story. And where we pick it up in the next episode is going to be in act two and mm -hmm. the context is that jesus is going to be with his disciples he's doing ministry with them over a span of time three three and a half years and this is the night before his crucifixion and he is going to take all of this stuff that we're talking about here from act one and he's going to fast forward and he's going to start fulfilling and redefining some of these things that happened yeah, and ju just to give you a hint without going into it in great detail, uh, we have been remembering what, uh, what God has done for the children of Israel uh, in all of the story of the Exodus out of Egypt. And now all of a sudden, Yeshua, Jesus, is having this last supper, this final Seder, Passover Seder, that he is observing with his disciples. And uh, he is going to tell them, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And we're going to unpack all of that next time. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Um, yeah. So that is the, the Old Testament, the first act uh, story. Uh, we're talking about this uh, really for the, the bulk of this season, and hopefully this is going to lead you in. I also just want you to pay special attention. Over the next uh, couple weeks, we are going to send out lots of podcast episodes. In fact, what we want to do is walk you through uh, that Passion Week um, that you would start. And it's interesting because of the timing of this year, uh, the 10th of Nisan of that Hebrew month of Nisan actually coincides numerically this year with the 10th of April. And so starting on that Passion Week on what we call Palm Sunday, we're going to start to see the separation of the lamb. And we're going to actually walk you through. So every day of that, that holy week, we're going to actually walk you through a different aspect and how Jesus, the lamb of God, was set aside, that he was scrutinized in the same way, leading all the way up to the killing of the death of the Passover lamb. Um, Jesus. Yeah. And so that's the story that we're going to be unfolding. That's all coming out here as we uh, go throughout the next couple of weeks here on the podcast. Yeah. 
And I think the important thing to recognize and to remember in all of this is that as we are talking about what Yeshua, Jesus, is doing uh, at his last Passover with his disciples, that this isn't uh, New Testament stuff. This is Old Testament stuff that he is still living out and living through and bringing truth to them, fulfillment of what Act 1 said, and now he's crossing the bridge and he's giving them what the ultimate meaning always was intended to be. Yeah. All right. Well, let's call that a podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. You can find out more about what we're doing at The Jewish Road. If you go to thejewishroad.com, you can also follow us on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook at The Jewish Road. And if you want to see our website and all the fun stuff we're doing, speaking events and places you can see the blog and all that fun stuff, uh, then you can also go to thejewishroad.com. So any other questions, feel free to get us at shalom at thejewishroad.com. That's our email address. And thanks for listening. There is certainly more to come. And until then, sha'alu shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. Shalom.